This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. It's the year 3652. A cyborg scientist named Z15-Q discovers that all major historical events, culture, and advancements can be tied to a single point more than 16 centuries earlier, to a small group of full bio-Earthers who assembled to tell stories and joke and find out about other people while using chickens as some sort of measuring device. Somehow, this was recorded into something called a podcast, and these recordings set in motion an unwitting series of events leading to various catastrophes and eventually the rise of the new world as Z-15-Q now knows it. Z-15-Q decides to conceal this knowledge, fearful of the unrest it may cause on both Earth and Mars. After all, everybody knows it's Lady Gaga who really set the future in motion. There's no sense sparking a revolution. That podcast was funny people talking. Hi, I am Robbie Hoffman. I'm a stand-up comedian and writer, and I'd rather be at Auschwitz than listen to funny people talking. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. We've got Robbie Hoffman out of the gate. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako. And, of course, with me, my good friend, I'm with her. It's Dresden <laughs> Engel, everybody. I'm already laughing, guys. Buckle up. This is going to be a great show. Guest host already has me cracking up. That's right. All right, and also with us, of course, our esteemed producer, Elsie. Did you hear that, Elsie? I said esteemed of that word no that's what i thought you mean steamy <laughs> steamy and hot steamy no 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 that's that's be inappropriate you can say it trust and i can't say i it. can say it. i can't say she's steamy i don't know uh, if but, any of us can say it i'm anymore. not that either i'm not steamy you're not steamy you're just elsie i have some steaming tea here with me though same. It's okay delicious Oh, very good. Mm. what, what mm. kind of tea is our is our end of show food guru drinking yes. today black tea oh all right Wow. And our guest, what tea are you drinking? Yeah, you know what? I replaced, I used to have a coffee in the afternoon. My afternoon coffee has been replaced with an afternoon tea. So now I have a coffee in the morning and a tea in the afternoon. That's all I do. And I'm having a Moroccan mint green tea. And you know what? Switching to the green tea in the afternoon, I can't even tell you if you guys are coffee people all day long. I still like the morning coffee. Nothing better than that first sip. But then the afternoon when you're getting that... The tea lasts longer, and it's like a slower caffeine intake, and it just makes you. You just changed just so my good. life. Yeah, because yeah. I'm sucking down. I'm sucking down pecan hair. Coffee. Ah, no. So you just yeah, changed I my life. I, I feel zero relaxed describing my beverage. Extremely relaxed. <laughs> yeah. But it does take Dresden. It does take like three weeks for you to like. In the beginning of you switching to the tea, you're gonna be like, it's not enough. Give it two, three weeks every day, and you will not go back to the afternoon coffee. But give it some time. Your body isn't a switch. It takes a little bit of time. I have a feeling I'm going to learn so much today. I am so excited. I'm here to teach. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Robbie Hoffman, everybody. So our coffee slash tea slash beverage slash caffeine slash energy guru <laughs> is Robbie Hoffman. Woo! Robbie is also on the side a 
Uh, this is straight from her website, so I just want to clarify. Robbie is a small, ex-Hasidic queer Jewish stand-up comedian, writer, and true original. I love the fact that the word small is in there, by the way. It's like the other descriptors weren't sufficient. She was just named one of Vulture's top comedians to watch yeah. in 2020, one of Comedy Central's Up Next comedians, and she's on Conan O'Brien's Comics to watch list. She's performed numerous times at the Montreal Just for Last Festival, was a headliner for the New York Comedy Festival. In 2019, she recorded her first one-hour stand-up special for Just for Laughs, I'm Nervous, in Toronto, available on Crave TV. And it has all led to this moment where she is now on Funny People <laughs> Talking. Congratulations, yes. Robbie. But seriously, welcome to the show. It's a privilege to have you here. Woo. Yeah, my biggest credit so far you don't know you don't know how big we're gonna get it just might be she was an early guest the reason i put small is because people meet me and they go i come off tall on on tv like if they watch my special people think i'm like <laughs> some model type which thank you but i you know right. some people have that thing where it's like oh on camera they put on weight or it takes off weight there's something to do with weight and the camera either i think it adds 10 or it decreases yeah. 10 Okay, for me, and, it's like the height and, thing. People and are 47. like, oh, you're, sh you know. Now, by the way, I am not like a little person. Not that there's anything wrong. I am small for a an average person. So I'm 5'4 in stature. This is my height. Oh, I happen to be the tallest small. girl in my family. I have four sisters. I am the tallest of all of my sisters. So it's not nothing. It's not nothing. It depends all relative. To me, I grew up tall energy. In a, in a way, because my sisters are all so small. My mother is very, my mom is only like five feet tall. And my mom reads smaller because she's also big. So she reads like shorter than she is. So she had that small thing. And I, well, I grew up like giant syndrome. Like, you know what I mean? And then I get out and people are like, oh, you know. So I think I, I carry tall, <laughs> but I want people to know that I'm not ha out here to like, you know, I'm not doing this big ruse. I'm 5'4". It's not the smallest it ever was. It's not the tallest it ever was. It is what it is. <laughs> so you've never thought about this before. Well, small came up in the descriptor, I think, for that reason. I because know. it felt like being honest. I felt like, well, people, yeah. you know what I mean? People are coming and they're going, oh, you're shorter than what you thought. Which, first of all, fine. But, you know, I did, yeah. I think, have tall confidence growing up. If not for anything else, nothing else was good but that. I like that. So, I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Robbie. We're going to have such a great time getting to know Robbie in this episode. I'm so glad you're here. Also with us, by the way, is uh, someone that we've never had on the show before. She is one of Mouth Media Network, which produces this show's interns. Yeah. Her name is Lexi Bolden. And I should mention that she's a graduating senior from the uh, University of Iowa. But here's the big news. She was recently named one of four Saturday Night Live scholars and will be taking comedy classes through Ooh, Chicago's Second City. Face. Wow. The look on it's Robbie's amazing. face. The look on Robbie's face. amazing. Mazel This is huge. It is. And she will have the opportunity to audition for yes. the Saturday Night yes. Live. That is just incredible. So, Lexi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello. We're going to find a little bit about Lexi in a little bit as well. But first, 
Oh, we have such a great program. Elsie has a great yum or yuck food for us today. Fabulous. We're going to talk to Alexi. Our improv game today is going to be one of our favorites. It's called the eh, News. And, of course, our salute to Tina Fey. And, of course, we'll find out all about Robbie. But first, Dresden, I have a question for you, my friend. Yeah, my friend. I noticed when you came in, you had a just heaping bowl of cauliflower. <laughs> And I mean, it is piled high, and I really have high. never, I've never seen anyone with with that big a bowl of cauliflower that committed to <laughs> no. cauliflower. So, what is what is the deal, my friend? Well, I'm committed to the smell of the room now, to be honest with you. <laughs> but but here's the thing: I got to keep it out, right? Because I, my husband's getting older; his hearing's not doing too good, right? And I told him, you never. Buy me flowers. You never buy me flowers. Just call 1-800-Flowers. And he thought I said, buy me 800 cauliflowers. There we go. But I'm bummed. So instead of putting it in a vase, he put it in a bowl. And here I sit wishing it was daisies. Wow. And I don't want to hurt his feelings. But so I don't know. At least you don't have to scratch and sniff. And, and smell what I'm smelling. <laughs> at least you get to see and look in wonderment at my bowl of cauliflower. I will tell you that, first of all, I always, I love getting flowers for people. This yeah. year, notwithstanding, I did a lot less of things like that. But I learned something about giving flowers from an old roommate I had. Shout out to Max. I live with this dude. And Hi, Max. Hey, Max. He, he, I remember like, he got me flowers sometimes. Like the weirdest thing. Aww. But the like kindest just because thing. flowers. Yeah, sometimes just because, and sometimes just something like my Zadie died, my grandfather died, I went back home to do Shiva and everything. Yeah. And it's like yeah, I came yeah, back yeah, and it yeah. was like beautiful yellow tulips on my nightstand. He just like did like pick me ups like That's that. Amazing. So you can get flowers for friends, you know, friends and loved ones, especially romantic partners. You know. Did you get flowers from like when you hit those big lists like Vulture and Conan? When you hit their lists. With your, you know, pretty prestigious. Did you get some flowers? Well, you know what? I love flowers. I have a bit in my special talking about how people don't, you know, it became a bit because I didn't even know it was a bit. This is yeah. just something I love is flowers. Uh, people give people a really hard time about flowers, that flowers don't do anything. It's like, what do they have to do? When you're that hot, you don't have to do anything. Like, it, it's just, you know, so I talk about my love for flowers. They look so good. Like, like stop ragging on flowers. Rag on rocks. Rag on some shit that, like, doesn't even look good. You know what I mean? It's like, you're ragging on flowers. They look this good out of nowhere. Blues and oranges, these colors. So I love flowers. They smell amazing. Like, I just don't understand why we're focusing on the negative of flowers when there's so much positive with the flowers. It just felt really weird, and it felt like they were held to a standard that I don't even know why when there's, like, wheat, you know, and fucking... (laughs) not looking good nature things you know what I mean yeah so I don't even know so I didn't get flowers for those big things when I did my special and stuff like that I did get flowers like in the green room that's always amazing and you know I play no surprise people get offended by this dykes get offended who's the boy in the relationship now it's me hello it's me so people are surprised (laughs) people are surprised that I like my girlfriends have gotten me flowers because they know how much I like flowers, but normally it would be the reverse yeah. where I still do get flowers, but they just know that actually I do really like flowers. Yeah. 
Well, maybe oh. they would enjoy a nice big bowl of cauliflower. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. All right, uh, let's get started with the show. Alexi, I'm going to give you the assignment if you would. Tell me to start the show. Mark, start the show. All right. Good job. That's it. Her moment in the sun, everybody. Thanks, Alexi. <laughs> From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Dresden Engel, and Elsie. We are here with Funny People Talking with our incredible guest, Robbie Hoffman, and our guest number two, our intern, Alexi Bolden. Before we get started with the show proper, it's time to get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. Robbie, uh, in case you don't know, one of our goals in life, because I have had so many close calls with working with Tina Fey, and they (laughs) just haven't worked out, uh, it, it has become a mission in life to have her intersect with the show in even the most microscopic way send us a postcard drive by send us a pizza call in i don't make fun of us we don't care so every single show since we started the show we do a tribute to tina fey where we pray to the comedy gods putting it out to the universe in hopes that somehow it will reach her ears and she will bless us with a moment of her time so we're going to do that now you may either just sit back and Scrunch your face up at us, or you can participate. It's really up to you. Elsie, would you be kind enough to lead us off in a prayer to the comedy gods? I kind of wanted to scrunch my face up, too. Okay. Don't you always. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I will lead off. Oh, Tina Fey, please be on the show. We love Tina. you so much. Amen. Please. We want you to come and join us. Anytime we'll be fine. We'll schedule a special occasion for you. Amen. I think Alexi's our best bet. I Girl, mean, Alexi could be our know, best right? bet. Really? We're playing Absolutely. a long game. Listen, you, you guys have gotten, you know, the intern. Exactly. You know, Alexi, nothing is altruistic. No of course they love you and the help is appreciated, but they're doing this for their own for their own goals, okay? So Alexi's our best bet because <laughs> Alexi's going to audition. She'll be on it. Then you know Tina's could come back yep. for one of these specials. You know, like, oh, Saturday yeah, Night Live, 100-year anniversary, blah, blah, blah. Alexi's there. And Alexi, even though That's she right. won't want to at all, she'll be like, fuck me. She will remember that she promised and was in these prayer groups. And she's That's like, I'm right. not helping these people. Like, this makes no sense at this point in my career. Like, but, what am I by doing? The way, Robbie, I'm going to go say... up, waste my ass to, to Tina Fey with this. But she's going to do it because it's way on her right. conscience that she prayed. And that she made it, you know, right. the, this commitment. That's right. And she's going to waste her ask on this. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's all going to lead up to that moment, and you're just going to give it away. By the way, Robbie gave you the most powerful argument to to go and do that, which was, I think, Robbie, you said that they are doing it for their own goals. So that, that was a, I don't see any better motivation than that, no. that we are doing it for our own goals. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, thank you for comes. that, everybody. All right, let's lead off here with uh, a little time with our good friend, Elsie. She loves bacon, she's cantankerous, and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer, it's Elsie. 
We have a feature, Robbie, on the show called Yum or Yuck, where Elsie will taste a food. We used to do this in studio where everyone got to participate, but thanks to remote recording at this point, we would just allow ourselves to watch and listen to Elsie eating food that we would never probably get access to. So today's Yum or Yuck is what, Elsie? Cactus candy. Okay. Oh, by the way, Elsie, what she does is she tastes the food, describes it in detail to us. These are generally foods that she scours the world and finds really interesting different things, snacks or whatever, to try. And then she rates it on a scale of chickens. How many chickens out of how many chickens? It's just what we do. Rubber chickens. Rubber chickens. So anyway, Elsie. Or edible chickens or live chickens, whatever kind of chickens you want. It's a lot of chicken. So what do we got, Elsie? So it's um, Cactus Candy. It's from the Cactus Candy Company, aptly named. And it um, features, so they say, the delicious prickly pear cactus. So This is candy supposedly made with actual cactus? Yeah. It it comes in a small package that reminds me of something young men carry around in their wallets. Mm. Honestly. (laughs) Just young men. Might need <laughs> just, just young men. Yeah, the old men, they, they're yeah, trying every time they can. The old men are like, let's yeah. get the show on the road. Let's build a legacy. Exactly. Old, older men just stick it in their shirt pocket, their their breast pocket there, and just for all the world to see, because why hide it? The breast pocket uh, is so know. precarious that anybody stores anything in a pocket like that. It has no clothes. Like, it doesn't have a zipper. Some maybe have a but it's like the weirdest thing. Men will put the most important thing in a pocket that if you lean, who's even to say? Like I need like a pocket with a zip. I know. You know. Robbie, is this the first time that you've contemplated the breast pocket? Yeah. Disturbed you before. No, this is my first time thinking about it because it is true that my great uncle Letty and my grandfather always had to say passionate. Yeah. It's it's another reward of being on this show. Yeah, I not only have an opinion on everything, I have a big opinion on everything, and it's it's a major problem in my life. <laughs> and it's completely small, unfounded. Small. That's right. It's unfounded. Lots you, of times I out? talk as if I like the girl I was uh, I was seeing told me that I speak as if things are fact, and I was like, yes. <laughs> Nobody has more conviction That's than right. me. I'm, Nobody. I'm. I'm. The only person that may have more conviction is the conviction with which Elsie has attempted to open this package, which has taken the entire time we've been padding. It is open? It it has these tear things on it, and the thing tore off and didn't open. Oh, my God. So anyway, it's one giant piece of candy in there. So it's not So there's no sharing. It's just like Um, But it's one block. As you can see, it took up the package. Wow. Wow. For those who can see us in this, but... Obviously, the listeners can't see anything. So All right. it's one inch by one inch square cube of a fruit gel that took up the whole package. So which looks to now. be purple, which is your favorite color, No, right? it's not. It's like a pinkish, orangish color. Okay. Oh, no, purple. Whatever. Like anyway, oh so I'm going to eat it. One, two, three, go. It's blue-black orange dress syndrome because I saw purple, too. Elsie's taking a bite of it and chewing. It is. It's made with actual – cacti is – yeah, the plural – I like to say cacti. If you like fruit gels, like the Italian fruit gel style stuff, mm-hmm. whatever, is where would one you would like this? Italian this is very gel. good. Italy, it's very, very good. good. This is I, a hit. I, 
72 out of oh, 72 sorry. chickens. I got your back on that one. 72 out of 72 <laughs> chickens. It's that yeah. good? Oh Perfect score, yeah. really? Wow. Very interesting. We'll be finding ours uh, in the mail then. I feel like Travis Scott should I know, get involved I give with it. this. Because he's big on like cactus and cacti. We went to a drive-in movie, which has been really fun in COVID, and we bought the big cacti Travis Scott spiked seltzer and does everything with the cactus but cactus candy do a collab with travis scott i think we bring this back because it's 72 chickens of 72 chickens it's a really good tasting candy the only demerit was the packaging (laughs) packaging packaging. was a fail which by the way again mirrors its twin in access right at the moment when you need it so i actually wish travis scott would take the candy keep the packaging the square condom shape but also make the candy (laughs) instead of a square the round shape the round shape yes you know so then it's like a cool candy to kind of have on you slinky that's it you give it you know you give this candy to roll it's kind of cool it's kind of cool it's got like this you know what i mean it's not it's like a jokey type of thing I think I have a lot of ideas so to Robbie, how to bring this I'm candy in, back. So, Robbie, I'm in marketing. I could see having you in one of those Mad Men pinch rooms. You oh. would have the client convinced. Like this is what we do, right? The way this, this is the candy we release. I mean, I'm not no, this in, is in enough. This is how it should be done. Perfect. This is <laughs> like, I do feel like I'm not. Convinced. I'm not in enough marketing boardrooms, but we close it down. It'd be a 10 minute meeting. I'd make every meeting 10 minutes. There's nothing even to discuss. Here's it. Let's do it. Let's commit now. The meeting is adjourned. Everybody this go home. everyone agreeing with Robbie. <laughs> yeah. This is it. This is enough. This That's is right. It. That's right. That's hot. Cheers. All right. Well, very good. Thank you very much, Elsie, for that. Let's move on. I want to spend Wait, can just Can Elsie mo- give us a website? Because I really do need to buy that. www.cactuscandy.com. <laughs> I can handle that. The name of the candy. Beautiful. Dot com. All right. Sorry I wow. interrupted, Mark. Mama needed some sugar. That's quite all right. No, good, good, to, good to know. Yeah. You know, why not? Me out. You just need the exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm glad all the men are carrying those in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. <laughs> God, can you imagine someone like subbing that out in their wallet and they don't know? And then one day they're open their wallet up and this is like all ready. And then, oh, they're... please, every single woman listening to this has pulled crap out of our personal and oops, that's not a pen. That's right. <laughs> Raise your awesome. hand. Yeah, exactly. Oh my! I was in a writer's right, so... room early. One of my first jobs was as a writer's assistant in a writer's room, and they mm-hmm. were all guys. It was three guys and me, and I don't know why I was embarrassed at the time, but I had my period, and my backpack, which always kept on me, was like in the corner with me, and the door is on the other side, but it's like. I was like literally about to leak. I'm like, I better get another tampon in here ASAP. But I like didn't want to like fish and get the tampon out and then like have to go to the bathroom, even though these guys could not have been more understanding or not caring. You know, I just yeah. in my head, yeah. we've been like, you grow up being embarrassed, but then it's like, no, it's not actually mm-hmm. at all embarrassing. You just have to own it. So yeah. like, with all due respect to the Christians, I, I went to Catholic school. I said, this is the first thing I'm taking up with God when I get to heaven. Yeah, that's gonna so, be the first thing on my agenda. Childbirth pain, nothing thing. compared to decades of that nightmare. Yeah, Why, Lexi, what's on your list? Sample. What are you taking up not, with God for? 
not uh, feminine care products. I think no, no, that no, no, I'm no. Like... getting the thing monthly is what I'm taking oh, up with God. Oh, that's no, issue. yes, I also have qualms. I say hello, yeah. uh, Lord. Everybody, get your Lord <laughs> list ready. Yeah, and I just get it ready. Yeah, I just get took the tampon out. I made such a big deal of it that, like, by the time I got it out, I was like, "And I have my period, and I have to change my tampon." And they were like, "Yeah, but by all means, I mean, truly, whatever you need, Robbie." Like nobody <laughs> cared. We you know definitely what I mean? do I not came want to stand in your way. Yeah, and they're like, "Are you are you okay?" I'm like, "I'm fine. Are you okay?" And they're like, "Yeah, well, carrying on." Like I was the one who made the biggest deal of it. Like nobody cared. <laughs> I just can't yeah, help but yeah. be the most dramatic. Now, did that inspire any of the writing? Nothing. They were just constantly terrified Good. of me. Speaking of writer's rooms, there's a writer's room at SNL. That was the weakest segue I've ever seen. But I anyway, no, it actually uh, was pretty thank good. You. It was pretty good. Thank you. Keep so, going. and speaking of SNL, Alexi Bolden. So, uh, <laughs> Alexi, Alexi, uh, let's just spend a, a moment hovering above the airport with with you here uh, before we move on and uh, welcome you to the show and thank you for all the work you've been doing with Mouth Media. You've done a great job. So, I want to know how did the whole thing with getting into comedy for you happen and how did that ultimately like what's the path to getting recognized by SNL with the scholarship? That's a great question, Mark. I will start from when I was a kid. I'm 22. I'm not it's not a long story, but I was always a class clown. Let's make a joke to break the tension here or like, hmm, I'm going to notice mm-hmm. this and say it out loud. Type of individual and so it's not that it was like comedy that I was like, oh, I need to be a part of this institution. It's just second nature, I guess um, you could say. And so when I got to college, I joined an improv team. And this improv team, it's all female troupe. Janice and I have City shout out. Changed my life, honestly. And there are these tournaments called college improv tournaments. And you take your team and you perform. And there's semifinals and regionals and what have you. And then there's nationals. And Everyone's goal is obviously nationals. And so my team and I were like, okay, we're going to go to Chicago. We're going to perform. And more than anything, we're going to have fun. And that is what I love about improv, about my improv troupe, is that we all support and love one another. And at these college improv tournaments, I had been surrounded by other comedians and people who love to be funny just just for fun. love to be weird because I've always been weird and I love it. But I also did club soccer for a very long time. And so it can be... Being in certain environments where funny is not, or weird is not, it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe I'm, maybe something about me is wrong or something, but being validated by my improv troupe and then being around people who like can do voices and be okay with other people doing voices was just a liberation I didn't know I needed. And Mm -hmm. so these college improv tournaments, the environment and the atmosphere, I was like, I want to do this forever. And... That's a decision I made about a year ago. Right before COVID shut down, we were in Chicago and we performed at Comedy Sports and we were like one point away from making the finals, which is okay. But I don't like when they tell you, like when they come up and like, oh, by the way, you almost made it. Dang, now I'm evaluating my entire performance. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. The most important thing about that, again, was just that it was fun. Watching other people create these realities out of nothing was the most fun. And after that, I was like, this is what I want to do. And then when quarantine happened, I just ate all the sketch comedy shows that I could. And a Black Lady sketch show was one of my top, top shows that I had watched. And I was like, this is insane. I went to a Writers Guild 
event where the um, writer's room spoke. And again, it's another form of validation. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And watching SNL clips and watching Laugh-In and watching <laughs> Reno 911 is not necessarily sketch comedy, but that show is... <laughs> As it was its own greatness. Yeah. And yeah. then when the opportunity for the scholarship came around, I was like, heck yes. This is what I had contemplated when lockdown started. Um, a mentor had sent it to me because I was like, what do I do post-graduation? And I took this master class. Um, shout out Jessica Jordan. She's amazing. And she saw this opportunity and sent it to me. And I applied and there we are. And was it like a, awesome. like a video audition? So it was... Kind of a two-part thing. So the the initial application was, it'll come out next year and everyone can read the questions. I don't really remember them at the moment. But it was something like, tell us why the scholarship matters to you. And I was like, easy. Tell me why SNL matters to you? Easy. And it was just these questions that I honestly just spoke from the heart with all of them. And honesty is the best policy. And that's led with that foot forward. And then yeah. I got the notification that I made it to the second round of applicants. And I think I like passed out standing up. I'm not sure. It was just like a lot of excitement <laughs> at once. And the second round was an interview and sending material in and everything and talking with everyone. And then from there, the new year, the announcement was made. It was like, this is so dope. And it was out of 1,300 applicants at Second wow. City. Because UCB did wow. one. And I think the Pit did one as well. I just want to see you in action now. Can we see you online, hon? Follow me on Instagram and you can see everything. <laughs> All right, and your Instagram handle is Alexi Bolden. Awesome, Mazel Tov. So Alexi. we're hoping to pull real. Alexi and the other. Thank yeah, you, we're, you too, we're, Robbie. You're killing it. Honestly, killing it. Thank you, babe. Our hope trust is we're going to have Alexi and the other scholarship recipients. We're trying to coordinate to get them all on the show together for an episode. Hopefully, that'll happen soon. Uh, thanks to Alexi. So thanks for sharing that, Alexi. Congratulations. We're proud of you. It's really, really great stuff. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play our improv game, and it's all about Robbie Hoffman right after this. If Daffy Duck, Foghorn Leghorn, and Marvin the Martian all had a baby together, that's pretty much this show. And that is very, very worrisome. This is Funny People Talking. All right, it is time for our improv game. Our improv game this episode is one of our favorites. It's called the eh, News. And now, an improvisational comedy game. And the idea, basically, Robbie and Alexi, is you know how uh, you get these live live shots out on location with local news shows that just seem to be for the stupidest reasons sometimes. So let's pick the least impressive reason that there might be a live shot that could be as simple as like my shampoo ran out. Mrs. Smith's shampoo ran out. It's a big calamity. You know, uh, something spilled jelly beans. You know, I've miss something on my calendar. It could be a, the dumbest reason of any reason. And we make it into the biggest news story that there was basically coming in from the studio and talking with the anchor, uh, the, the, the reporter on location. So uh, Dresden and I are going to demonstrate here. And then uh, if you're cool with it, Robbie and Alexi, I'm going to have the two of you do the next round. Okay. Everybody knows I've never it's done great. improv in I know my life. You not, 
This... But I did work on an improv show, and it was until today. It worked. Okay, it is what it is. I'm happy to play. I don't know all the rules. I don't always know that you tap, you got to leave. Thank I didn't you. leave lots of times. I was supposed to leave. So it is what it is. This, that, <laughs> that is precisely why. Exactly. I that is precisely that. why we are demonstrating Robbie. This, and I'm like, okay. That's it. That's it. He was tapping me in the middle of the show. Exactly. No Someone awesome. told her to get on stage, and she was like, yeah, yes, and. Yes, Anne. I'm just yeah. here. There's no one. All right. Let's go. Uh, Drez, you want to be in the uh, in the field or in the uh, studio? I am happy to be in the studio. Okay. I'll be in the field then. And Robbie, I want you to give us, if you would, a reason why we are doing a news report that would probably not be an impressive reason to do a live report. Anything in the world is fine. Okay. My cat vomited on my carpet. Great. Uh, Robbie's cat vomited <laughs> on the carpet. Exactly. Great. Okay. So thank you for that. And what's your cat's name, Robbie? Jocelyn. Is there a real cat? Yes, she's right here. Jocelyn. Cat Jocelyn <laughs> vomited on the carpet. And Alexi, I'm going to ask you, what is the location that we are reporting from? Oh, Aurora, mm-hmm. Illinois. Okay, great. Thank you very much. All right. Oh, here's the cat. That's Jocelyn. Oh my God! Hi, Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Cameo. Yay! Jocelyn gives a cameo. All right, here we go. Dresden, oh God, throw it. it to me from the studio. Whenever you're ready. Yes, hi, thank you. And that was this week's weather. Well, we're now going to go on location with our roving reporter, Mark Rico, where something pretty dramatic has been happening right here in downtown Aurora, Illinois. Mark. You appear quite concerned. Please share with our viewers what you are experiencing on site. Thank you, Dresden. I am here in downtown Aurora, and uh, the situation is indeed tense. It seems to be mounting minute by minute. The walls seem to be closing in on all of us, largely because... Are you safe? Are you safe? That remains to be seen, Dresden. There seems to be a cloud in the air, uh, an odor of sorts. We haven't quite been able to identify it, but it seems to be emanating from a cat. A cat has apparently projectile vomited onto the carpeting in a small Airbnb that comedian Robbie Hoffman was staying in. Her cat, uh, I'm sorry, what, what is that? Oh, the cat's name is Jocelyn. Interesting name uh, for a cat. Excuse me, Mark. Um, how yes. many people were staying at this said Airbnb and have others been harmed? Well, that is part of the story, I believe, Dresden. There were actually 427 people staying at the Airbnb. Uh, I believe that the stress of the overcrowding led to the cat vomiting uh, just out of reaction, I would assume. What, what I thought was the most interesting part is the, the vomit has been taped off by the police and first responders who are in some sort of uh, hazmat suits. Uh, for our viewers, since we're not allowed to have the cameras due to the hazmat suits, can you describe what you are seeing? Absolutely. Have you ever seen melted crayons? They, they seem it's very similar sight to melted crayons, except it smells a little bit more like ketchup and laundry soap mixed together. Which and, is sort of interesting. and the reason for the people running and screaming is because of the cat incident at the Airbnb. I think it may have actually been my reaction spooked them a little bit when I first came across it. Yeah, I, I, I panicked a little bit, which is strange because I've been on a lot of murder scenes, given the, the murder uh, cadence here in Aurora. 
uh, allegedly. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's a, there's a, by the way, a lot of available housing right now, it seems, but, uh, Mark, do you know if the 427 people at the Airbnb have been able to find other housing? No, but as I indicated, that may be possible for them now, given the murder rate here in Aurora, <laughs> but I am a little concerned about Jocelyn. The very strange thing is Jocelyn, the cat, Robbie Huffman's cat has shrunk significantly since the vomiting episode and. <laughs> A, a, appears to be uh, almost a, a miniature cat about the size of of a, of a shot glass, which which makes me wonder if most cats are just filled with vomit and they have just one good hairball away from okay, shrinking. Okay, Mark, you, you think you can keep us posted for the 11 o'clock news and give us an update? Absolutely. I see a dog running around a little nervous, so I think there may be a follow-up story. All right, fantastic. <laughs> we'll see you at 11. Great, thank you. Okay, and that's the meh news. So thank you, Robbie, for the illustrations. All right, so that's basically it. Just go with the flow and and uh, see what the situation is. So I'm going to ask you, Robbie and Alexi, who would like to be in the field and who would like to be in the studio? It's totally up to the two of you. Yes, and I will do field. <laughs> Yes, Robbie Hoffman in the field, roving reporter. So, Elsie, can you give us a reason for what has happened? What is the story that Robbie's reporting on? The specials on the sandwich board at the deli, they're all wrong. Okay, specials on the sandwich board at the deli, all wrong, Robbie Hoffman. And where is the deli located, Dresden? The deli is located smack dab in the middle of Times Square. I yeah. knew you were going to say that. Perfect. Wow. Absolutely. I know. We've, we've worked together for a while. Am I a reporter? Am I somebody? You are the reporter. I'm a reporter. Uh, however, if for some reason it's useful for you to be speaking with people on location, Elsie, Dresden, and I are all available if you need to interview someone. So it's up to you. Okay. All right. So, Alexi, whenever you're ready, you're in the studio. You can throw it to Robbie from the live news report already in progress. Yeah, it's breaking news story. So Sorry to interrupt your afternoon soap opera, but we have a mishap <laughs> in downtown Times Square, smack dab in the middle. Yes, you heard it here. Smack dab in the middle of Times Square. We're going to go on location to Robbie Hoffman, who has taken residence in the, the middle of this mishap in downtown <laughs> Times Square. Robbie? Hi, I am here in the middle downtown of Times Square, where I live in this harbor. <laughs> Okay, that I have built out of Ikea bags. And every day I, I, I'm right here in the center of Times Square and I live just below this deli where nothing seems to go on but, but the day-to-day -day deli stuff. People coming in, grabbing their sandwich, yelling and leaving. It is New York, the smack dab in the middle of Times Square. When all of a sudden... People come shouting outside, and I grab my mic, and I'm ready to go. I've been waiting for this story my whole life. I should mention that I have been an aspiring reporter. I've not yet done a story. This is my first. I'm just as excited uh, to be here, um, uh, you know, as anything else. This is my first story. It came to me. It is God-given. And here I am outside of the deli that I live under in my IKEA bag, Havel House, and I'm here with Mark, who is somebody yes. who I just grabbed. Ready? He was running out of it. Yeah, what's up? What can I do? What's going on? Why is all the sandwich boards wrong? You walked in. When did you realize the sandwiches were wrong? I mean, this is insane. <laughs> well, I don't know. The pumpernickels 
uh, $1.99 and uh, the coleslaw is $23.59. $23.59? It's all mixed up for coleslaw. $59 USD for coleslaw. $23. That's fucking criminal. Yes, okay. okay. Uh, can I swear Robbie, you can't this? cuss on air. It's live. Okay. You can't cuss on air. Sorry. Okay, that <laughs> the, is the criminal. In my I am ear. You sorry. also cannot I... grab the camera. It is an emergency. Obviously, we're all overreacting. We are all dealing in the moment with this emergency <laughs> happening in the middle of Times Square. Uh, I apologize for my French there for a second. But when I, we heard, I'm sure as you're all reacting live here to the $23 coleslaw, it's obviously very alarming. Mark, what did you do next? Well, I came here into the smack dab deli. <laughs> And uh, and 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 the first thing I did was I bought absolutely no coleslaw because I only had fifteen dollars on me. Who could afford? Yeah, but I. Bu- the I great thing was I bought like seven pumpernickels because the well, price was so price perfect. For, for the re- by the way, pumpernickel has never been better. So pumpernickel is the only winner in this entire story. It's clear pumpernickel has never been cheaper. If you want pumpernickel, which I've Never quite been clear what kind of bread it is, even though I am Jewish and I know it should be objective. You know, I know we have a lot of different types of bread. Mark, you walked out with the pumpernickel with no meat on it, with no sandwich. What did you What did you do? Just the bread? Just to be clear, just the pumpernickel. That's all I really need. I'm, I, 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 am a, I, I am an anti... Some people uh, can't eat gluten. I am the complete opposite. Only I can gluten. only eat gluten. Only so gluten. this was like a good three or four hours of nutrition for me. And it looks so like, great. Mark, you've invented a type of sandwich where you take two pieces of pumpernickel, put a third piece of pumpernickel in the middle, and now you have a pumpernickel sandwich. Is that correct? Is that Are you going to be copywriting the sandwich for the board, the pumpernickel sandwich? The thing is, I always used to put coleslaw on it, but now I can't afford the coleslaw, so i got to start all over with my copywriting process. This is just so, criminal. Elsie, uh, this is another yeah. person I grabbed, yeah. just completely distraught over the sandwich board. Yes, I am. This calamity <laughs> smack dab Obviously. happening over here. Elsie... Yeah. Uh, Explain to me what is going on. You can't, I'm sure it started off as a normal morning for you. You come here trying to get a sandwich. And yeah. Walk me through. Yeah, so, um, you know, I like to look at the sandwich board. I like to see what the specials are going to be. I like that's how, part of how I make my decision, what I'm going to do, right? So I, wanna, I don't want to waste time waiting in line and then get there and be one of those jerks that are like, um, I'll, um, um, how's this? How's that? What do I get? Um, um. So I, look, I, I, wait, I, t- I take my time reading the sandwich board. So I go in there. Based on what I read, and I saw the, the choices, and I said, this is what I want. I want the caprese salad sandwich, which should be tomato, um, buffalo mozzarella, and uh, some pesto, some homemade pesto, right? So I go in there, and uh, they said, we don't have that. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have that? It's on your special board. You should go erase it if you, if you, if, yeah. if you, if you ran out. And you're like, what do you mean ran out? We never had it in the first place. It's like, well, then this why are you This is like a Mandela effect. This is like a Mandela effect so at this right. point. And people it, remembering. <laughs> everybody remembers, but SmackDown Sandwich Shop. <laughs> go ahead. Which was their first so, name, was the Nelson Mandela effect. There we go. Nelson, I had to go to the second you know, choice. He loved Pumpernickel. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. I knew. 
misinformation from the Sorry, station. Yeah. I apologize. So you left. So I had to go to the second choice. Oh, okay. No, no. Oh, you went to the I second choice. I was hungry. Choice. I gotta eat yeah, something. Yeah, you gotta eat. I mean, a girl's gotta so eat. So I went to my second choice. Yeah. So I asked for the, I asked them, you know, I want a Reuben on pumpernickel. Smart. Classic. And they were like, we got, we got, we got pumpernickel. We got, we got no Reuben. And I go, what do you mean you got a pumpernickel without Reuben? And they're like, we have the pumpernickel. I was like, you mean you just have bread? And they're like, yeah. I was like, who were, whoever heard of a bread sandwich? And they're like, Mark. well, the guy that came in before you liked it. Yeah, exactly. And scene. Ah, and scene. That's so that's funny. It. Very good. Robbie Yay. Hoffman, great job. Good great job, job Alexi. Great job. job. Robbie, you killed it. You killed it, Robbie. Good job. Ooh, good job. Good all right, we're going to take a brief break to wipe off, and then we're going to come back and talk all about Robbie with Robbie right after this. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Funny People Talking and Elsie at Elsie the Producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. All right, everybody, we are back on Funny People Talking, and it's time to talk with Robbie Hoffman about Robbie Hoffman. So, Robbie, when you started out doing your comedy, what was the point in time in which you made a decision that part of the identity of your comp? Because there's one thing to just be doing comedy that comes naturally up from who you are, and then it's another thing to say, that is how I'm going to identify myself as a comic is someone that is in this vein and people are already going to think about me that way right out of the shoot. And they're going to expect some things from me because of how I've identified myself in the description of myself or my bio or whatever. What was the point in time that you made a decision that, I mean, I know you've always been you, but what was the point in time that you can think about where you made a decision and said, I'm all in on this. This is going to be how I'm thought of. And then my comedy is going to connect to that identity. First thing is, I don't know if I've ever self-identified as anything. I just identify how people identify me. I never really even think about that stuff quite concretely. I just never made any active decision on anything. I don't know that I ever made a decision to be away or not be away or you know, I just, what do people think of me is what I am. Not to quote Eminem's, I am whatever you say I am. And now that I'm ringing a bell, but yeah, I kind of am whatever you say I am. I've never made any concrete effort to be a certain way or not be a certain way or really anything. Uh, my comedy has always just stemmed for whatever I think is funny goes. You know, it's unlike writing for me you know, you ask me right now if I have time to join for another 10 minutes. I do because I'm procrastinating. It's always when I have the most time. You know, I'm on a writing deadline due mm. next Friday, but it's like writing to me is extremely collaborative. You know, even though if I come up with the story that ultimately goes to script and that's a script that I take home or whatever, everybody's got a voice. There's a writer's room. There's sometimes executives. There's people who can give thoughts, notes, and that sort of thing. And it becomes this collaborative effort where, you know, you're trimming the fat and you're getting to the, you know, it, it, it ideally leads you to a better product in the end. You know, with stand-up, it's not collaborative. It's just me. I am the end-all be-all. I am the God of my stand-up. What I say 
ghosts. You know, I shall rule hmm. like that is all that I've ever, ever done for comedy. And and that starts with my ideas that do lead to writing or other things that I do. But really, it's just if I think it's funny, it goes. I have no idea if it has anything to do with identity or not identity or, you know, I just am who I am. It turns out who I am happens to be this thing that may, I guess, most people aren't. But it's always felt very natural hmm. to me. I just feel like everybody else. I guess I don't know another experience, but I don't actively think of it maybe as some people think of it when they look at me. But to me, it's just normal. And I never think of myself in those terms or or feel like I have to adhere to something or not adhere to something. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. But to be fair, I don't know if your question did. So it is what it is. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm matching. I, I feel no. better about myself. Yes. <laughs> 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 Can you talk a little bit about you, you're a writer, you're also a stand-up comedian. What other parts of the the Robbie Hoffman universe are there in terms of being, you know, being involved with humor? Are, do you do things other than stand-up and writing as well? Yeah, I'm funny all the time. I mean, my whole life is is okay. funny. Kind of what like to what Alexi was saying. Like this is very natural to me. At the same time, you know what I mean? I was an auditor before I was in accounting. I mean, I grew up super poor. So when I got into school, I just really wanted a job. KPMG offered me a free laptop. I was like, for keeps? And they were like, for keeps? And so that's what I did in university just because I was like, they're giving me this laptop. You know, I made like a lifelong decision on like a $1,200 product. Um, you know, it wasn't even like a Mac. Like it was like an HP with a mouse was like this little dot in the middle of the keyboard that kind of was like, it was like a little clit in the middle of the keyboard. A little mini joystick. Yeah, it was very strange, but I would have been funny. And I was when I worked in audit. Like it, I just kind of was always this. This is just like, it's kind of like when stand-ups are starting or it's like, it takes a long time to be most you on stage. You know, it's like in the beginning, you're not as you, you know who you are, but it's really hard to break that barrier of being as now I'm more comfortable on stage than I am in this or in a social interaction or something like that, like that. I'm most me probably on stage. And it's almost as exaggerated me because it's the most of everything me on that stage. Can but I it ask does you a question, Robbie? Of being on stage. Yeah, please. I, don't, I mean, but if you want to make another point, I don't want to jump yeah, in. Yeah, I'm. I, 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 we're okay. not running out of points. Okay. <laughs> what I wanted, what I wanted to ask was, are you most comfortable on stage when you're doing material that's been proven, like you know, ninety percent of the material is going to get a laugh here, versus no. when you're trying new material? No, I love doing new. I was somebody. I mean, when I, I, when I started stand up, I didn't know that people even worked. My first year of stand up, there were like two mics in the city. I was in Montreal and it was five minutes. You got five minutes and I did just a new five every week. Like that's what I thought. Oh, wow. And that is, I didn't really, I started hearing people doing the same time. Like this guy, could you believe it? He just did this last week. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> we all heard it. Like I heard it. I'm like, did you not hear this guy's shit? Like I was like out of my mind, you know? Now that's not to say that I have since learned to hone jokes and stuff like that. But I always, I don't care if it's the biggest deal in my life. I always throw in new. My special I did about, and, and my special was the first time I ever did an hour. It was also recorded. I had one shot. So I'd never even done an hour. I did an hour. And about 
15 <laughs> minutes of the hour, if not 20 minutes, was brand new, never told a soul. Nice. I, I like that energy from new so much, but I also oh, like cool. the energy from old so much. I love both. Like they both do different things. I'm like, in it. You know, I like, like, I'm like jogging, I'm in a groove. A new thing is like, okay, we're at the cliff. We're fun. But if I think it's funny, then still like, it kind of, you know, is funny. Not to sound, but that like, that is what I've done. I always try and throw new in. I don't know. I get different energies from both of them. Both are fantastic, but I don't only, in fact, I more worry about the stale effect of old stuff that I don't love. If I, if like, if ah. I continue to do that, you can feel my energy is off. I'm not as pumped up. Now, old stuff that I still love to this day, I will do. But if it's something that's getting like stale to me or something like that, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I really shouldn't do it because my energy reads that way. And it's just not, you know what I mean? Versus new stuff. Yeah. You know. How would you say your writing process, doing the stuff that you do with a group of other writers or for a, you know, for script purposes differs from your process of thinking of what's funny for your standup? Now, obviously, one's coming from your own life, and it may be a little less from your own life when you're writing for another project. But is just your approach to the end result differ in terms of the way it comes out of your mind? Not the way it starts. Everything starts with what I think is great or funny. Um, and I don't only write comedy. So that's also good to know is like one great thing about having all these different outlets is like they all give me a venue for something. It's like when people, you see people who try and turn their tweets into stand-up. They go and they do all their tweets and it doesn't quite translate. Sometimes I have an idea and it's a tweet. Sometimes I have a picture and it's an Instagram. Sometimes I have an idea and it's a script. Sometimes I have an idea and it's a stand-up bit. Sometimes I have an idea and it's a sketch. There's actually somewhere to put all of these ideas rather than trying to shove an idea that's not for something into a thing. Now I can have any idea I absolutely want and it's I got somewhere to put it versus like, oh, I have to do this to this. You know what I mean? Now, it's not to say that a tweet can never be a joke. There are some things that are, but for the most part, most ideas, the way that I think of them is the way that they kind of stay as and that could be different for different people, whatever. So there's not really a, a difference in the way that I approach it except that in non-stand-up context, in some of my writing, I don't only write comedy. And so I'm able to think of things that aren't only that, but it still comes from something that I think is great. And the difference is in collaborating, it's getting to see other people's, you know, in the beginning when I would take notes about something, about something that I wrote or something, I'd be like, okay, thank you, goodbye. Like I would, you know, when you're first starting <laughs> out, when I was a writer's assistant, I got my first script and he gave me notes. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we're done, you know, but then when I sleep on yeah. it and I take a day, I actually started implementing all of them and it worked much better. You know what I mean? But now I'm really good at that process. Now I'm almost, I ask people for notes. Hey, will you rip this up? Will you fucking go to town? You know what I mean? Anything that hits you just, you know, and the how thing did is, the, how did that change, Robbie? It's just because you practice doing that. Like in the beginning, I okay. didn't want, you know, somebody, you know, for writing, somebody gives you notes for the first time if you wrote a script you're like mm. it's hard to to take critique because in stand-up you're so used to not taking critique and then so in in in, yeah. in scripts scripts are made better by critique mm. i don't think necessarily stand-up is made better by critique so stand-up is still that thing that i don't get critiqued i don't welcome you coming after me mostly men after show. you know what would be a great i don't care you know what would be great that i don't care 
But in a script, I care a lot because I have, you know, you know what I mean? Because it does make that for me, this is all for me, disclaimer. It just trims that fat and it's able to see perspectives of like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Or, oh, that is a hiccup. Or, oh, I'm seeing it. You know what I mean? Which is super, super helpful mm -hmm. um, for that process. They're just completely different processes, but they all give me somewhere to put stuff. Yeah, I feel that. And when you were talking about how people decide to critique your material when you don't ask for it is, yes, an occurrence that I wish didn't happen. And in <laughs> 2014 was that you did a TED Talk, right? Oh. And it was, um, <laughs> is it, can I ask that question? Yeah, of course you can. How did that come about, the opportunity to do that? And the premise of the TED Talk, correct me if I'm wrong, was addressing the, the statement that women are funny or are women funny. Right. And I would be interested right. to hear how your ideas have changed from then, if any, or if you've had any other experiences as you've gone on in your career and your identity as a person and yeah, any yeah. developments of the thought that you presented on your TED Talk. Well, thank you. That TED Talk to me is super embarrassing right now to me. By the way, it's a TEDx talk, so thank you for inflating it. But ah. at the time, it felt like that was something where they really coached you and I was fine with it because that was the process like they wanted. But I felt like, oh, I, I was too young to be giving this. I felt like I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to give advice. So the way that I went about it was just to share my story, like not be preachy, not be advicey, like just like here's my thing and, and that will be it. But I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to tell you. And I still generally don't like giving advice or anything like that. So that's why I felt like, oh, like now looking back, like I was giving this big talk when I was just starting out, it was like so stupid to me. I feel like embarrassed by it, but at the same time it exists. But about women aren't funny. It just always felt like just not true. I just like to like say things as is, and it just never felt like true at all to me. And it felt like saying, well, like people aren't funny. Like I just don't decipher between men and women the way that, I guess a lot of people have. I just always, when I hear women aren't funny, I hear people aren't funny. If I hear men are funny, I hear people are funny. I don't necessarily think that that's like the way that I've ever looked at it. Also, I just knew it wasn't true. My mother is the funniest, like, and she's not on purpose funny. I laugh at her. Um, it's an important distinction, but it's like, I just grew up in such a funny family and everybody I know is funny and just like, I was funny always. So I just, it was like such a weird thing that was like said a lot. And I do think men are funny. I also think women, like I just never, I think people are funny and some people are not funny. So it made no sense to me to break it up that there's a and lot I, of people who aren't funny. Why aren't we focusing on them? Rather than focusing on the women who are <laughs> funny. Now, there's so many people who are not funny who think they're funny and it's really uncomfortable that we have to, funny people have to yes. be around people who aren't funny, who think they're funny. Let's talk about that because that's really hard. As a funny person, this is, these are yeah. microaggressions that I face all the time that nobody talks about. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and I've been in, I've had a female sketch comedy troupe since 1998. So I've had, I'm a, you know, a couple decades deep in yeah. having to deal with that question of are women funny? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Did you see the people doubled over in their seats for two hours? Or did I dream that? Yeah. Women are funny. I have taken offense to it and it just, yeah, of course. I love that you don't hear it. I love, love that you hear them just saying, well, then people aren't funny because I have just that much age on you that I, you know, carry a little bit. No. Of and I, and I anger, so respect like the comics, 
yeah, the comics above me, I understand why they feel like, you know, sometimes you hear, well, just be funny. Don't like, you know, sometimes you hear, well, just <laughs> be funny. Like, forget it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I yeah. have so much respect for the woman before me who where there was one spot on the lineup for a girl. And so they are competitive. And so they are, yeah. you know what I mean? I do blame men for doing that to them. I don't blame the old, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I, I know that the system made them competitive for that, you know? Yeah. When I dabbled yeah. in stand up, the men were so disrespectful. I stopped. So, yeah. 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 So yeah and here, i'm really here, sorry a new new generation let's hope yeah npr posted our recipient thing on their on their facebook page and the comments underneath it by men who <sighs> were like women aren't funny um <sighs> this is what you call diversity it was just like pages of comments of people who reinforce the idea that women are not funny oh alexi i'm so sorry i take back my saying that it's changed no oh, yeah and I'm I, not- it was just alarming yeah, yeah, I agree with Alexi. And like, even for me, when I started, like, I'm saying it's not even like I was hearing that too. You guys just really went through it. We were probably, my gender was probably the first to like that with two women on a lineup. You know what I mean? And I still get stuff like that. And the truth is, some women aren't funny. If women aren't funny to you, they're not funny. That's fine. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, okay, so to you, women aren't funny. Great. Comedy is subjective. I think, you know what I mean? It's like, I think people are funny or people yeah. are not funny. You think women aren't funny? Fine. Watch. Yeah. There's comedy for everyone. That's a you like, problem. You, you know, yeah, it's, it's like it's on you. There's a lot of people who say women are funny. It's like not even a thing. It's like saying, it's like saying purple's not a good color. To you. <laughs> like, it's just like the weirdest <laughs> thing. Some people fucking love purple. Woo! Some people fucking love, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's such a weird thing to think like the thing I don't like is the thing nobody likes. It's like, I've never thought that ever about really anything. So for me, I always push it, but it's not to say that I didn't face this. There's places in Montreal where they were pathetic to me, like starting up and stuff like that. Still those old, you know, everybody running those places was still coming from the people who held you back. Dresden and Elsie and everybody who yeah, comes yeah, us, yeah, yeah. you know, there's still mm-hmm. those people running it and they're going, why? And then everything you get, it was like, well, obviously, cause it's a queer thing. Obviously, cause it's a girl thing. Like, no, it's, it obviously is cause I'm funny, but it doesn't matter if you don't think so. Like, I don't know. These are such complex things, but, but it's such a, yeah. it is still pervasive, but it's also like, nobody cares what you think. Like you're not like people yeah. who comment, like, do you think Think about, I've never commented on something in my life, in my life. What is going on in your life that you're, I can't even imagine positive or negative commenting on something. I I can't even, unless it's like a friend I know. I can't imagine on an anonymous YouTube video, positive or negative. I think it's weird that you made a comment. But yeah, so these are complex, (laughs) long. Well, that that person... Exactly. That person's like, yep, did it. Made my contribution to the world. That's going to affect change right there. That comment I made. Yeah, I that, just, that's going to convince everybody. I just think we Can know I just that say, these things aren't true. Yes, go ahead, Justin. I just want to say something on a high note, and I'd love all four of your thoughts. So in all my years of doing sketch comedy, I would get kind of frustrated. I go to London and I see the annotated Shakespeare show and the guys do the whole show and they put balloons in their shirt and ha 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 funny. And I would say, you know, it's sometimes it's a lot easier for a guy to get a laugh if they just want to play a woman, you know, some like it hot and, you know, Jack Lemmon and, and, but women can't play men. It's not funny. Oh, 
God, I bow to Kate and AD from Saturday Night Live playing men, finally being accepted playing men, and slaying. And it's taken yeah. all this time for women to play men and be accepted and funny. Maybe not by everybody, but by everybody watching Saturday Night Live, at least. It took all yeah, these years, 100% in my opinion, shout for that out. to happen. Huge shout out. Yeah. Huge shout out. Thank you, Kate and yeah. Addie. <laughs> 80. Yeah, it's 80, just like, it's, it's, it's so dumb, like that we just like generalizations in general, I just don't agree with like saying half the population isn't something it's like, well, we know it's just not true. <laughs> right. so, like, I, I just don't understand. <laughs> right. Like, like, I don't even want to move yeah. forward. I'm like, okay. That sounds like, so you, absurd. Uh, and you say <laughs> it that way. Half the population like, isn't something. <laughs> Like, let's focus on, you know, it's like, I, I would say both statements with, with assurance. I will say, yes, women aren't funny and women are funny, which women men aren't funny and men are funny. I mean, it's like the weirdest thing. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of women who are uh, not yeah. funny and there's a lot who are, and there's a lot of men uh, who are not funny and a lot of men who are weird. This may be one of the most important conversations we've had on this show. Right? I have to say, I, I, I really think it is. This. And I would, I would also like to point out that out of the three regulars on this show, me, Dresden, and Elsie, not one person has ever said that Mark. He's so funny, but everyone says, "Oh my God, Elsie kills me." Dresden is hilarious. I would just like to point out. Not that being illustration of the world at large, but I'm just saying it's true, Mark. Here. No offense, and y'all tell me about Elsie. It's true. It is it's, so. Mark bombed the entire time. Let's talk about that. I did. No, it's true. I, it's true. This is my last season, Robbie. I also want to add Elsie and Dresden will be back for season three. That's right. They're hiring me in place of Mark. Exactly. Right. Oh, is this your coming out party? All right. That's what I heard. I heard the salary was great. <laughs> Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Robbie, sorry, you had another thought. <laughs> no, it was just like to Dresden's point of like playing these men and getting what's like, I also recognize that because we're like, oh, why are di like women aren't funny, but all these dykes are funny. Why do dykes get to be funny? But gay men aren't. We haven't had any major gay man star and we've only had major dyke comedians, right? Ellen and Sandra Bernard and um, Rosie and these Judy, really Judy funny, Gold. Woody, uh, you know, yeah, Judy Gold, obviously, uh, you know, Wanda Sykes. And like, it's like these dyke comedians. And it's because we have some masculinity. There is, you know, not to have this like big conversation about it, huh. but it was like, it's like, huh. I do recognize or notice because I feel it that, yeah, there's a difference than the girls who are girly, like maybe dressed in Elsie or something like that. Like, back like it, it there is a respect to having any sort of masculinity still i'm a girl and that you know but but that masculinity kind of you know it, it ignores a lot of the stuff for whatever reason and it's the reason why the first girls maybe who are and they happen to be funny because having a diverse experience just lets you see the world in a way that you can't buy you just see mm. stuff and as a comedian it's very good yeah. to see stuff and you can't always see stuff if you're in stuff but if you're on the outside of stuff, you can look at stuff. That's very hard to articulate, but uh, it's how it yeah. feels. And then no, gay you're doing comedians, good job. You're doing good job. and then gay guys, it's like they're feminine. They have an effeminate quality about them sometimes that did hold them back. That femininity, no matter yep. where you look, is the worst. Femininity is always punished. 
right? So if your girl and your girly femininity is punished, and if you're a guy and you're feminine, it's punished. In both worlds, it doesn't exist greatly. You know what I mean? And obviously, if you're in a heteronormative life, the female is punished. So it's just femininity in itself. This is where like patriarchy and that sort of comes in. Not that I, you know what I mean? But it really is true that femininity of all forms tends to be less valued. And that's, and we've seen it pervade every part of the Excellent every, point, Robbie. I, I think there's a Oof. new TED Talk ahead of you. I got to do a refresh, Alexi. I got to do a refresh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got to do a refresh. I, I love to ask this question of comedians that we have on the show, Robbie. You know, there's, there's jokes that surprise you that mm. they work. Right. And there's jokes that you I thought so were going to kill. I got so happy as soon as you said that, you Mark. Keep trying I got it. so happy when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. And then there's there's jokes, too, that you are so sure you're like, I know this is going to kill. And it just never seems to connect. And you keep trying it with a different audience. You can't figure out why it's not working. You think this is going to be a killer joke. So can you think of either a joke that you thought was hilarious that's never worked that you keep trying or a joke that you were shocked worked? But, it, it you know, we were like, ah, this is never going to make it, but I'll throw it out there. And it just slayed. Either one. Yeah. I don't really work a joke. Like, if a joke doesn't work, I kind of just don't do it. I've worked stuff a couple times. I rarely have something that sounds egotistic that doesn't work at all. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because mm -hmm. it's me saying it and that's so much of what I do. But, like, you know, if it's not working as well or something, like, I tend to just not do it. I'm not somebody who's that precious. Like, when I left Toronto, like, I had a good friend who called me. She was like, you know, so-and-so took your joke. Now, if it's a good friend, I have a problem with that or something. But if it's like somebody, I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, joke, like I, I started to get less precious about that. It's like, listen, I don't think it should happen. I think it's like embarrassing and weird for you that you're doing that if people do that. But it's like kind of like I'm like, eh, I got a million where that's coming from. Like, I yeah. don't need every single joke. Like, I'm always thinking of, of things. And the world is constantly is evolving too quickly and too much to think about. So it's like... I don't know. I, I don't really work and work and work. I'm not like mad if something doesn't go as well as I, as I thought. I kind of just do the next one. And then like jokes that, that mm -hmm. no, and, and I do, again, this is sounding bad and, and maybe like, but I do genuinely believe I have as much conviction for my jokes as I do on my opinions. Like if I think a joke is going to work and it works, I'm like, oh, I knew it. Like there's not even... It yeah. was not even a surprise well, because instinct. I believed in it from the second I wrote it down. I thought this is fantastic. So when it goes fantastic, it's like, exactly. Like, here we are, you know, right again. I'd rather be wrong, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? It's like, I'm never, and then when I'm wrong about something, I'm like less eager to admit. I'm like, well, it didn't work as well. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm like more forgiving of it, but I never am surprised something that I thought would go great goes great. I'm like, exactly. You know, this is why I do what I do. So it sounds bad. But. I find it so interesting, Robbie. Uh, this has always occurred to me, and I respect this, by the way, but it's so interesting that if we write a play, it's very common for plays to be performed many, many times with their own interpretations or movies will be redone. Uh, but a joke from a stand-up comedian in particular 
belongs to that comedian and nobody really licenses their jokes out for other i know comedians write jokes for other comedians yeah. but they don't, nobody licenses their jokes out for other others to interpret them through their own lens i find that so interesting that it's just, it's the a, sense that a joke belongs to that it's just it's a different art like a play is a different thing than stand up it's yeah. like nobody who plays the cello i'm not gonna like you know what I mean? it's like it's just, a, a concerto is different than a play is different than stand up. Yeah, they all have their difference. Stand up exists. To the, stand up is the thing that is the artist, and you know, stand up is one of those things that it might be the hardest to separate the art from the artist. You know, some people can never separate the art from the artist. So when they find out Shakespeare was terrible, they can't listen to you know they can't exactly. read Shakespeare. When they found out that Oscar Wilde's a pedophile, whatever the hell he is, I know he hates Jews. They can't read Oscar Wilde, you know, and we have modern, you know, this is happening regularly, you know, where people can't separate yep. the artist from the art. I, depending on the case, can do that. I think stand-up would be very difficult to separate the artist from the art because of how personal stand-up has become. Now, that's not the case for everyone, but when stand-up was less personal, it was interpreted by other people. I mean, when we look at early stand-up, they used to take somebody else's act because they were one-liners and just do that act. And it was very commonplace to say, oh, I've been doing Lenny Bruce's act. Or I don't know the old stand-ups. I don't know if it was Lenny Bruce. He's like the only name that I know right now. But it's like, oh, I'm doing this person's mm -hmm. act. You sound very knowledgeable. Was, you shouldn't have stopped. Yeah, it was less personal. And so it was <laughs> interpreted by other artists and done by other artists. Now that stand-up has become very, you know, it's a la mode to be more personal because styles change in everything. Styles change in music and film and yes. fashion and everything that we do. The style has just evolved to incorporate more of the artist. And I don't think that's the same for plays. Some plays are, you know, I don't think anybody is doing Hannah Gatsby's Doug, one woman show or whatever from, from, you know, I don't think that, that I know Hannah Gatsby did like a, a play or a one woman show. Like, Nobody's taking that, but we're still able to take more non-personal plays and do that. But if plays become this thing where it's like really impossible to separate the perform, you know, I don't know, but it just plays haven't gotten there and stand-up has. And so that's the way it was. But there wasn't, there was a time when stand-up wasn't like that and people did reuse them. All right. Uh, gosh, we could just go on and on Robbie, and on and on and Thank on, you. Robbie. Um, how, do, how do we do with not asking all the questions you've had before? You're excellent. It's a lot of fun awesome. with all of you. That's all I needed. A lot of fun with all <laughs> Thank of you. you. Dresden, if your sketch group is ever in L.A., I'd love to come check it out. Thanks, love. Appreciate that. Yeah. Dresden sketch group, by the way, is called Astrofest, just Astro for Fest. everyone's nice. edification. Astrofest. Robbie, how can people connect and find you, uh, whether it be your website, social media, what have you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I occasionally pop on a nude. For those curious, uh, my Instagram is Robbie Hoffman, <laughs> R-O-B-B-Y-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm on Twitter where I have some semi-viral tweets. It's not nothing. I had 3,200 likes on a tweet just yesterday. So it is what it is. I nice. am Robbie Hoffman on Twitter, including the I am. There's a Robbie Hoffman in Pennsylvania with 37 followers who will not give me the handle. So I am I am Robbie oh. Hoffman on Twitter. And that's really it. All right. She is Robbie Hoffman, and Robbie, we can't thank you enough for joining us for this spirited, important, and yeah. super fun conversation yes. and playing a game and everything like that. Thank you very much for all the wisdom all that you share you. out there. Can't wait for your TED Talk. Okay, thank you all. <laughs> so nice meeting all of you. Can't wait to connect again soon. 
Thank you, you too. That is it for this episode of Funny People Talking. A big thank you to Alexi Bolden for joining us, and congratulations again, yes. Alexi. Yes. We'll see you soon. <laughs> and uh, a big thanks to my friend Dresden. Yes. That's right. And, <laughs> and Elsie. Thanks a lot, Elsie. Yep. And I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. And by the way, stay funny. That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, uh, boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.